Good evening, one. Ev- good evening, everyone. Excuse me. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is Marmar, the mid-boss, and this is the inaugural episode of Lag Radio, your weekly dose of video game appreciation, chiptune idolatry, do-it-yourself art endeavors, and so, so much more. My goal with this program is to discuss video games from across the ages really in depth, uh, bringing on guests to help delve into various different video games beyond just a simple review. We're going to be talking about game development, game theory, the intent of games, uh, both classic and relatively unknown as well. And of course I want to get you folks involved in the process too, so I'm going to be inviting you all to play through a game the week prior to the show, so that way we can discuss it on the Facebook page and kind of get your own take on some of the games and the different themes and motifs and such. So before we get into the nitty gritty though, Let's set the stage a little bit. Let's take a listen to some of the tracks from this week's selection. Previously, I opened up the Facebook page. Uh, by the way, it's facebook.com slash lag life radio, L-A-G life radio. And uh, I mentioned on there that we would be covering the Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Certainly the iconic N64 uh, piece of art, really. It is, it is something that's still... I mean, it's garnered Guinness Book World Records awards. It was the first ever game to reach Famitsu's 40 out of 40 review, the famous Japanese newspaper, or not newspaper, but magazine, Famitsu. Uh, yeah, it's it's very, very highly regarded, to say the least. So we've got a lot to talk about this evening. I'm going to introduce our uh, first guest of the evening. I've got two guests coming in. First one, we have the incomparable Alex of, <laughs> of Palace Swapped. Hello. Hey, and I'm also number two. Number number two two is number two is to come. Yes. Yeah. So just wait a little bit. We'll have another guest on shortly. But again, before we discuss, get into really all of the different things regarding Zelda Ocarina of Time, let's listen to some of the music from the game itself. So we're going to start off with an original track. It's, um, I think, actually the only original track that I wanted to play on here. Everything else is a sort of cover. It's in a different uh, genre a lot of the time. It's just a totally more interesting, well, not more interesting, but it's... Just a different take on these classic tunes that I'm sure you've heard of before. So we're going to start off, though, Koji Kondo's title theme. So, so good. I hope you enjoy it. Again, thank you for listening to KUCI 88.9 FM Irvine. This is Marmar, the mid-boss, with Alex, and this is the first episode of Lag Radio. Thank you for listening. Good evening, everyone. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is Marmar here, joined by Alex in the studio discussing... The Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time. We just got done listening to our first two songs of the evening. The first one was the title theme, originally, of course, by Koji Kondo himself, and that was off of the original soundtrack to Ocarina of Time. After that, we listened to a cover. It was kind of a fusion of a few different themes from the game. It was part of a Materia Collective release. The composer, Eric uh, Buchholz, B-U-C-H-H-O-L-Z, and the song was called Hero of Time. And it comes off of the same titled release. The Hero of Time is about 13, 14 tracks total. We're going to be playing a few different selections off of that one throughout the evening. But in the meantime, we're going to discuss the game itself. We're going to get into the gameplay later. We're going to get into the story a little later. First, we got to set the stage, as always, of course. Background and As always, history. like every other episode we've done. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just thinking, like, when you write an essay, you don't just, like, jump into the meat. you got to get into... Exactly. Right? So we're going to talk a little that bit about the history. So first off, for those of you who did not know, I didn't know this before doing some of the research, Ocarina of Time was actually originally intended for the Nintendo 64 DD, or Disk Drive Peripheral. 
interestingly. It was something that kind of just like tucked underneath your N64. And uh, I guess it was failed or canceled, I should say. But um, it was canceled. It never happened in America. It happened in Japan, though. Sure, sure. Um, what's interesting to note about that, though, is I'm wondering if they were kind of trying to do a, like a like a throwback to the original Zelda with that, because the original mm-hmm. Zelda uh, for the NES here came out on the NES, came out on the Famicom Disk System. It was, I think, one of the first games to come out on the Famicom Disk System, hmm. which was uh, able to be saved. You have like save data, which is sure. You know, before with cartridges it was there was no like flash memory so mm-hmm. i'm wondering if there was some kind of a throwback or whatever reason maybe like more expansion to graphics or something for the 64 dd but probably yeah i don't know either way they did eventually decide to shift it onto the regular n64 carts that were uh probably the much better decision yeah i would agree <laughs> i would agree and requiring people to buy an extra device to play your game they would have for zelda yeah oh yeah of they course. would have get but, that money but man like with just the cartridges like that that pretty much sealed the deal for a lot of people like it was able to be sold in america and europe and all those places because of that sure yeah so before we even talk about just the quality of the game what made it so iconic really one of the things that made it super hyped to begin with is just that it was such a departure graphically for the franchise right so all the zelda games before it there were no polygons right it was all pixely there was not any like depth yeah. It was all like XY movement. Yep. You would, uh, old old Zelda, I mean, if, if for a lot of people listening, if they remember the old way of, of Zelda, it was top-down, eagle-eye view, and you'd go to screen to screen, and you'd just kind of go on this X and Y axis. This is the first game that used like a third-person view, uh, and it just completely changed the whole, like how the game was played. Yeah, and it's actually, it's interesting because later on, we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit, but the style of the gameplay kind of is still a thing and it relates to the story so some of the the story from alternate timelines because all the zelda games in case you didn't know they are connected in some loose ways and some not so loose ways sometimes they like um, to say that i don't know they like if they to say know that. or not <laughs> i think they're just kind of retconning the whole thing but. <laughs> but either way some of the games that are part of one particular timeline they're all that eagle eye view still and the ones that are the you know the behind the not behind the shoulder but behind the character the third person perspective those ones are part of a different timeline so we'll talk about that so stay tuned for that um, but Ocarina of Time was also extremely important for the N64 because they needed their killer app as that's the kind of the the phrase that they like to use a lot of times the things that will sell the system the most and they did have Super Mario 64 prior to this but without that Zelda a lot of a lot of investors and such were worried about the N64 surviving uh, into the future but the you know they were hyping it as this is the second coming basically and I remember how many times that got delayed too my mom was a big fan of Zelda mm-hmm. particularly mm-hmm. so she bought like the Super Nintendo one the Game Boy one all those and just remembering like I think I forgot how how often it got delayed but it was like two years after or a year after it had initially been like told it was going to come out it actually came out so that was one of the worst most painful waits because you just kept having a, oh now it's coming out oh six more six more months delayed and yeah, it was crazy i'm glad that they took that time though to really oh yeah i mean the the As you know the, the quote, final product the quote from so. miyamoto you know the quote right which one a uh a bad game is bad forever a good oh, or what yeah. was it a good game is um I don't know. Something about something about like a good game takes time, but a bad game is bad forever. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Which yeah. is pretty much like the Nintendo motto. You need to perfect it, get it polished. Otherwise, people will remember that first impression. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that was super important to the um, to the game differs from the prior releases. Of course, this is also because of the technology. There are cutscenes. 
Ocarina of Time had plenty of cutscenes. In fact, Miyamoto wanted to have no, 90 total minutes or so of cutscenes. And really, really cool, actually, was that none of it was FMV. None of it was... Um, full motion video. Full motion video. Thank you. Yes. So uh, it was all just rendered in, in-game. Which in, is kind of like what Kojima does for... I mean, I'm diverging now with uh, Metal Gear Solid. Where he didn't want any of this stuff to be... He wanted it all to be in-game engine. And I think that adds a lot to the effect. Uh, a lot of... I mean, the, yeah, there are some cutscenes with... Uh, with like no dialogue, but there are some with dialogue and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty intense. And especially the way that I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit and getting into the game itself, but the perspectives that were used in some of these cutscenes, even from just the initial um, cutscene that leads you from the Deku tree in Kokiri Forest, at the beginning of the game, all the way to the beginning, you're you are quote unquote you are playing as Navi at this point, and you are following her perspective. I guess I assume her perspective. It's a fairy. Yeah. With yeah. I don't know, probably genderless, but either way, the fairy is kind of like roaming through the different parts of the uh, Kokiri tribe's inhabiting area, and um, it's just kind of following her perspective, and it slows down at points, it kind of like spins around, and it's just this first person. It's so so neat, especially for the time. I don't think that that was really being done in a lot of other places. Um, So yeah, they really made use of those cutscenes to to really get that adventure feel, that unique uh, ambiance, really. Um, but when it comes to the uh, camera setup itself, it was, interestingly, it was chosen to be largely AI-controlled, Miyamoto said, because that the focus that way could be predetermined onto the environment instead of based on the character. Um, so you have, like, Mario, and you've got the camera that you can just kind of circle around Mario, and with uh, Ocarina of Time, you've got moments where you can't control the camera whatsoever. The camera's fixed on the whole scene. So for example, when you walk first into the Hyrule Castle area and it's kind of pointed down, um, it can't move. You are just a little, you know, polygon and walking around. I wonder around. now if they, if they got that kind of uh, from, uh, I don't know when Resident Evil came out, but that seems like a very mm. Resident Evil or, or Silent Hill kind of thing where they it's like a forced perspective. Sure, yeah. Forced angles and stuff. And thinking, elaborating a little bit on that, I think it's because the focus maybe is not so much on the character and who you're playing as, but the environment as a whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, really wants to get that that feel going, so I really liked that. Um, that's one of the one of the defining things for me. But um, talking a little bit more about the game before it was released, going back to kind of the hype and such, pre-orders actually had to stop at if you know it used to be EB Games. I think they're still around in Canada, think, yeah. maybe or yeah. Australia. Um, but Electronics Boutique, they were called. Um, yeah, they had to stop pre-orders because of how hyped it was. There were so many pre-orders <laughs> that they just were like, no. Like we have we too much do- money, guys. <laughs> Please, we love your money. But <laughs> um, also, as a continuing part of the franchise, I guess um, we were talking a little bit about before this, that the cartridges, if you pre-ordered, they were gold. And, um, and the yeah. box was also, uh, like, had it was weird. It wasn't, it, I think it had, like, a sticker on top that, like, made it, like, a gold uh, kind of lenticular kind of thing hmm. i still have my box and it's and it's different than what you see everywhere else and yeah it was it, it was kind of a harkens back to the old uh like the initial releases for releases for the nes which um are gold cartridges i don't know if they were pre-order only but i believe the first run or the first print were all gold cartridges for uh, legend of zelda one and two i'm glad they continued that i think it's a, it's a nice they touch stopped to throw it for back the game boy them. one and the snes one but then brought it back for this one, Ocarina of Time, and Majora's Mask. Right. And then uh, 
think everything else became disc-based after that. Right, so. yeah, they can't exactly do that the same, <laughs> yeah. but that's okay. Either way. Um, but yeah, as I also touched on earlier in the in the program, a bit of its legacy with regards to it was the first game to receive the perfect 40 out of 40 out of Famitsu. Um, since then, I think there have been another 22 or 23 games that have hit that rating. Um, but of course, this game came out in 1998, so it's been, uh, I think it was 98, 97, 98? It says 98, and I just looked, and it looks like it was a simultaneous release. I didn't know that, hmm. which would explain the delays that they had so many times. But I never knew that it was a simultaneous release. That's pretty, I mean, uh, that's what I'm reading. It just says they came out in Japan and America. It, yeah. Japan and America, simultaneous release, not a worldwide simultaneous. But yeah, it's it's pretty, uh, it's pretty great. They were able to translate it and do all that stuff, and then release them in the respective uh, regions at the same time right typically not the case for sure you've got to have that time to localize and all of that so um and, and i'm glad that they were able to do that and it wasn't wrecked like that was enough that would be mm -hmm. my other concern if it's the same time maybe they kind of skimped on now there wasn't areas, glaring but... as far as i know glaring glitches and stuff of course the speedrun community found some glitches but not stuff that's easily uh easily executed <laughs> sure i was actually just watching the video one of the world record runs it was 17 minutes and something mm -hmm. like 10 seconds and you just go like out of bounds. You end up teleporting, just doing crazy stuff that like was not intended. But it's not it's not easy to do. I don't think in all my playthroughs I've ever I've ever had that purposefully happen or you know been able to find a glitch in that. So I mean it was a really polished game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, so we've kind of gotten through some of the background, and the history for now. So we're gonna get back into some music, kind of continue setting the stage so that we can discuss the story and later on the gameplay. Next up, we're gonna listen to a very energetic piece it is a electronic kind of rendition of saria's song it's called saria's drop and uh, this one is by glacial spoon after that one we're going to listen to saint vital's fresh lemonade cuts no limestone cuts i'm sorry i can't mm -hmm. read from that far away i need new glasses it's, it's uh, a very small like resolution i, I can understand your uh, pain thank you appreciate I'm having that. a hard time as well from here <laughs> that one is going to be a cover of actually don't i'm not even gonna spoil it maybe you'll recognize so we'll see but that one uh is going to be by double a ron both of those tracks are from oc remix i'm going to be talking about oc remix a lot over the course of this show it's a wonderful website that has been around for like over a decade well over a decade um that you can get all this music for free, listen to it for free, download for free. It's completely like just community centric, and uh, yeah, that's they're they're both of these songs available free if you'd like. So check them out there. So yeah, let's get into that. Thank you so much for listening to KUCI eighty eight point nine FM in Irvine. Again, this is Lag Radio here with Marmar and Alex. Yo, see you in a bit. Good evening, everyone. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is Marmar here, joined in the studio by Alex from Palette Swap, as mm -hmm. well as... Brandon from formerly The Crescendo. Thank you. It's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while. Well, welcome yeah. back. Thank you. Uh, we are here discussing The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. If you haven't already been able to tell, we just got done listening to the... Uh, wonderful cover of the Song of Storms it's called Please, Please Make It Rain, and it is by Benjai Pod. Before that one was Double A Ron with the song St. Vital's Fresh Limestone Cuts. It was a fun version of the Goron City theme. And then before that one was Glacial Spoon with Saria's Drop, of course, Saria's Song. All of those are found on ocremix.org, and... Uh, they are available for free should you be interested in listening to them or downloading them or whatever. Um, so we have uh, to talk about the story. Very, very important. We've gotten through the background and history. Got to talk about the story about uh, all things Zelda. So would one of you be willing to give me your 
quick and dirty rendition of what the whole story of Ocarina of Time is. <laughs> just general. How about just general? Je- overarching. Same thing as all the other Zelda games. Zelda's in trouble. You got to save her. You're a kid at first, and then you're older. And things things that happen when you're young affect what happens when you're old, so you can kind of manipulate the game in that way. But overarching story kind of lacks like the other Zeldas, you know what I mean? Like the big main goal is to save Zelda. You know what I'm saying? So that's the quickest summary possible of that game. Yeah, my, my summary would be... Um, that uh yeah you start off as just a boy kind of a never never land you never grow up mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. you find out uh, i'm trying to remember like he ends up going out into hyrule field and then uh you end up uh finding or learning about princess zelda and then i think all this stuff kind of happens to you the ocarina falls and all that stuff uh, and then you kind of just learn all this stuff about the uh about passage of time and all that stuff and then um I'm not the now that I'm saying it I don't remember I don't feel like I remember a lot of the story so why don't you uh why don't you <laughs> it's probably because there's <laughs> not much there <laughs> it's it, it, there is but I just can't yeah. remember now yeah. the whole well I mean I think that kind of it kind of t- talks a little bit about the uh quality of the game because really like what you guys are saying mm-hmm. it is kind of a generic sort of story it's got this this like archetypical archetypal uh, set up where you are looking to save the land of Hyrule and Zelda, the damsel in distress and all that stuff, uh, even though she's not really a damsel in distress because she's super cool and badass as Sheik. Mm-hmm. But, well, uh, that's spoilers. a spoiler. But... I mean, like, well, we're talking about the whole game as a whole, so we're going to be giving spoilers. I think way, people so. have played it by now. I mean, they've got they've had hope. a little time. If you listen to the show, <laughs> this is your first warning that, like, pretty much if the episode contains a game that you have not played, then you will be spoiled because we're talking right. about... Right, and we're announcing it a week ahead of time, too, yeah. like what we're going to be playing the next week, so you sh- you've had time to play it. So, But yeah, anyway, so yeah, it's it's an archetypal sort of story where you've got this, uh, you know, this land that needs to be saved, and you're the only one who can do it, so you have to. This is your journey. This is your destiny. Um but really, its execution is so so much better than than just this setup. Um, from what I see, from like the the transition, like Brandon was talking about the the child to adult thing and the time timelines thing. Um, obviously, when you're transforming via child link, little little link, baby link young into link. a <laughs> young link, I guess I guess yeah, they call sure. it link, to a adult full grown. Uh, responsibilities link. You um, that also symbolizes you know being thrown into adulthood you know that's physically through the song that's played over the ocarina but i like how it's also you are thrown mentally into adulthood as soon as you meet zelda as a kid and you're like i have to go and find all of these stones or well i mean even the deku tree in the beginning of the game he says you have to find all these stones to stop ganondorf from from apparently conquering all of hyrule you're not really given a reason why ganondorf wants to conquer hyrule i don't even think it's really touched upon a lot later on in the game I think the only mention is like when there's that recap of what the uh, the Triforce is. Mm. It's like Ganon wants control of all of them. That's I think that's really the only time they they touch on that though. He just wants power. Yeah. And it, yeah. Yeah. They talk a little bit. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say he literally wants power. Aha! Triforce of power. Yeah. <laughs> and gets it. Um, I, they do talk a little bit more about him as a villain later on, in that he is part of the Gerudo tribe right and the grudo tribe they say that there's only a male born every hundred years which is i i don't know how they this is one of the first kind of references to ganon's history in Mm. the game because in the past ganon's always just been this monster like this this pig guy 
Right. And then so now they made him more human and then gave like a backstory to like his origin and everything. I don't know if that has anything to like if that also goes with every single timeline or if it's just a different form. But I guess in this story, there's there's a lot more fleshed out history for characters in this game versus all the other Zeldas, at least. Right. Yeah, by saying there's a lot more fleshed out, I mean, I would say that there is some fleshed out. Yeah, that's I wouldn't for say sure. they gave a whole lot to some of these, but at least there's something. So, uh, yeah, but uh, Ganondorf, part of that part of that tribe, he was just, you know, supposed to be the, the king of Gerudo Valley or whatever. And uh, I don't know, I guess he just kind of went drunk with power, Triforce power, ho-ho, and yeah. uh, then just wanted to take over the rest. So, um, but really, again, like, it's the execution, really. It's not necessarily about his uh, motive that was super crazy cool. Um, but yeah, so one of the, the parts of the game that really stuck out to me is that Link is established at this point, this is the first game where he's established as the hero of time, which is something that carries over into the other timelines. Again, we kind of talked about the greater over-scheming Zelda connections and whatnot. Um, Link is supposed to be this, this hero of time that's, that's, um, yeah, just kind of like this ageless battle. There's always a Link, there's always a, a Ganon or a force similar to Ganon. And the, there's always someone or something that needs saving. Um, but uh, where's I going with that one? We'll talk a little bit more about that one when we're talking about the timelines in a bit. So sit tight. Uh, be- before that, though, let's also talk about a little bit about Dark Link. So Dark Link uh, happens in the Water Temple, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, I was going to uh, say the history of Dark Link starts oh, in sure, Zelda yeah. 2. Hit the me. Adventures yeah. of the, oh, yeah, Adventure right. of Link. I forgot about that. That's the yeah. first time you see, I don't know if he's referred to as Dark Link or Shadow Link, um, but he ends up, spoilers for that game, he ends up being the the real boss after yeah. that. Like, I think you beat, I don't know if you beat, uh, I don't remember who the last boss is in, in that game is. Oh, it's that, we. oh yeah, that big pain in the butt, um, like bird thing that you have to attack that's like flying up and everything. Then yeah. you go mm-hmm. through the, like near the end, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm done with the game. And then this old man like says, you have to fight yourself. And so you fight Shadow Link or Dark Link or whatever. I think he like literally jumps out of you, right? Like it's like yes. it splits from you. Yeah, it's, it's actually pretty, pretty cool, cool for then. back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hmm. Um, I don't think he was any any other game uh, since then. So like this was mm-hmm. his like return is like oh Shadow Link or Dark Link. That's a good point. Yeah, cool. it's a nice throwback. This one is such a neat fight though. Like it's absolutely one of the defining moments of the game where you're in the Water Temple, you go through this door, and then suddenly there's this giant expanse that's just kind of. It's like foggy around. You can't really see. It just kind of goes on forever. There's a tree in the middle, and there's another kind of arch, I think, that you're supposed to probably go through this door at the end. But before you go through it, behind you at the tree, I believe, shows up this Dark Link, and immediately it's just like you're thrust in a battle. And uh, I know originally you start like fighting against him, and he seems that he's mirroring your, your attacks, right, because he's probably another part of you. But uh, eventually I, I think he kind of grows a little more aggressive over time, and you're, you're able to defeat him. Not too difficult, if I recall. Of a, of Not a once fight. you figured it out, yeah. the the little trick or whatever. But. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. But I like that because, of course, it's pretty easy to symbolize that this is, you know, you are fighting your own darkness. You're kind of fighting your own doubts, your 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 fears and whatnot, facing yourself. And, um, you know, it kind of feeds into the, the Carl Jungian uh, selves, selves. Feel free to look that up, all you psych nerds. Um yeah, it's I, I really really like that fight a lot, and it's it's just there's no like pretense, there's no talking or anything. It's just you fight and you're out, and it's kind of like conquering yourself. Yeah, some of my favorite themes in that game are definitely the um, creepy elements. Creepy yeah. Shadow Temple, 
um Ooh. like the 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 mummies or whatever the the, the guy re-deads guy. I the think. re-deads yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just how they how they implement that creepy element to it with the music and like it's so much creepier than it should be like mm-hmm. i don't know if they yeah. intended it to be as creepy as it should be and then they went all out on majora's mask with that kind of theme <laughs> yeah. which i think is is a story for another time but um yeah they they really did this kind of like uh, uncanny creepiness with the polygons and the textures and the music and and yeah just a, just a, a perfect mixture of all that that just kind of it just gives you this like creepiness that that one boss in the shadow temple oh was it bongo bongo or something or no no oh. there's like the mini boss in that where oh, it's okay. like those hands are like just come out grab you hold you at your head and then this this like blob guy starts coming toward you <sighs> you don't remember that no i don't remember oh, that oh man that was... oh it's is it when they're hanging on the ceiling that one no or... i think they're just they come out of the floor there's just these big long hands and they just huh. grab you by the head and like you're frozen in place and this this thing slowly comes towards you <laughs> yeah and yeah yeah, and yeah, like yeah slings its head at you it's just like like it's this isn't a zelda creepy. game like it's just it's yeah, that, those, that's my favorite element to uh, the Ocarina of Time, I think. Creeping defining yeah. elements. I mean, it's. I think it's my defining one as well, just because it came out in 98, right? Yeah. I was four at the time. <laughs> so <laughs> when my cousins were playing it, I saw them playing the uh, the Deku Tree, the first you know dungeon, like the tutorial dungeon. And I was like, yeah, those spiders, I'm not about that. So <laughs> I, I don't think I yeah. actually finished the game till I was like, 15 or something like yeah when you i just this, couldn't get over it when yeah. you hear this like and yeah. you look around you just see this giant spider you're not expecting to see it's like okay that's right. like <laughs> yeah a <laughs> little sure. too close yeah. a little too uh, close to real life yeah because then i played like oracle of seasons and ages after that and i'm like eh, there's none of that in here so <laughs> it, it was just kind of off-putting that that was in that game but not any of the other ones interesting yeah yeah speaking a little bit to the redead part that was one of my other favorite parts is uh, the first time that you go from being a child to an adult you go through the temple of time suddenly you're an adult you got the master sword and you walk out and you see hyrule town like the market and it's just like a bomb hit it it just looks like this desolate wasteland but there are these redeads that are just standing there and the moment that they see you you freeze in place and you can't do anything and Mm. you can you can beat them up as much as you want and they'll fall over but they don't die yeah. They just come right back up. They stand right back up. Yeah, like a weeble wobble. <laughs> <laughs> like a weeble wobble. Yeah. So I love that that what they did with the redeads and and yeah, like the same with the creepy the creepy factor with some of those fights especially. Yeah. But I mean that does go like when you first turn into an adult and you step out, you're like, wow, there's really a lot of implications for like what my actions as when I'm yeah. young, like it's really mm-hmm. gonna affect later. So I really it motivates you more in that sense, I think. Whereas if you kind of wait it out and go to the field first maybe you don't like get that right away realization that things are way different so yeah i I think it is a better motivator to have it right when you come out of the temple right yeah Yeah. definitely and you start to wonder like all right well where are all the townsfolk right you remember when you were a kid there's all these these people that are dancing around there's the people who are like oh this is the market i gotta buy things give me a better price haggling whatnot and so what happens to them so then you go to course kakariko village is where they've kind of been displaced to that's where they ran from after ganon took over or ganondorf took over the uh the hyrule castle and such so yeah it's just it's sad to to see them like they're over there where they i don't think they really wanted to be there there probably isn't even space for them living there but i don't know they may do so um one of the other things i wanted to touch on is the an interesting little tidbit that i found while researching um, something that changed. So there were actually five different versions of Ocarina of Time that came out that were released. There were three different ones, I believe, for the for the Japan release, and there were two for um, 
what's called uh, NTSC, right? For for North America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So um, they were just kind of like little updates, little bug fixes, I guess, a couple couple parts here and there. But one of the things that changed between the GameCube version and the um, original Ocarina of Time for N64 was that the Gerudo tribe had uh, their symbol was originally an inverted crescent and a star, which is typically associated with Islam. So later on, uh, oh, also, in addition to that, there was a sample in a track used for the Fire Temple dungeon after you transform into an adult that had a part of an Islamic chant in there. And both of those things, although there weren't, there contrary to probably what you're thinking, is that there was this big public outcry, like anti-Islamic, um, you know, opinions in here. Really, uh, Nintendo decided to change this because they, as an entire company, they tend to, they have a policy of avoiding any sort of religious affiliation. Which probably dissolved in the past few years, I think, because they have the Binding of Isaac on the eShop now, so. Money yeah. speaks louder than they kind <laughs> of, a lot of their philosophies have changed. Yeah, yeah. for the good. <laughs> for sure, for sure. But yeah, it was, what interesting point about that is uh, I think that that sample was not even like, it was just used as a flavor for the music because a lot of the samples, and this is another tidbit, uh, the music uses a lot of sample packs, like, mm. like uh, not just like, you know, I- instruments or anything, but like actual like moods and textures and stuff like, you know, 30 second samples. So like the forest temples, you can find a lot of this stuff online, but the forest temple, for example, the entire like theme of it or the music in it is based off of, you know, certain sample packs that, that uh, Koji Kondo found and wow. like mm. implemented into it. How about that? Yeah. I, I did not know that. So you, you listen to those and you're like, oh, that's the entire song, but he just like sped it up or slowed down the sample right, and just added yeah. other samples to it. So it's it's pretty it's a pretty interesting uh, to find out. This is a lot of like the, the non-MIDI music, right. of course, because mm-hmm. you can hear the MIDI sounds, but then the actual like really like high quality kind of uh, sounds like Forest Temple, for example, mm-hmm. you'll go like, oh, okay, that's just a sample or like Fire Temple and stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. All right, well, speaking of the music, let's get back into some of that. We're going to listen to now a uh, cover of the Gerudo uh, Valley theme, which is called Gerudo Desert Party. It's by Ruben Six, and again, it's another one off of OC Remix. So, hope you enjoy it. Um, We will be back in just a little bit. Thank you for listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is Marmar the Mid-Boss, here with Alex and Brandon, and we are Lag Radio. It's like, okay. Good evening, everyone. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. It doesn't this feel is... like an evening, though. N- no, it's still it light doesn't. Outside. It is, isn't it? Yeah, I've noticed that driving back home recently. It's just been like. That's because the summer solstice happening? was yesterday. Summer solstice. So it was solstice. the longest day of the year. Oh, thank you, summer solstice. Well, we are here, uh, myself, Marmar the Midboss, here with Alex and Brandon, and we are, of course, Lag Radio. We're, we're, we're working over The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time this evening. We've listened to a number of some wonderful renditions of tracks from the soundtrack. Most recently was Wayne Strange with The Desecration of Power. And then uh, before that one was Eric Bukoltz once more with Village of Shadows, both of those coming off of the Hero of Time music from The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time release by uh, Material Collective. And they, they put out tons and ton, like a metric ton of releases all the time. It's like diverse system of uh, Yeah, <laughs> for real. Although much easier to get the actual uh, CDs of than yeah. diverse system. But uh, yes, yeah, tons and tons of really good covers of different video game songs and such. So you'll hear more about them in the near future, of course. Then all the way to the top of our set, we listen to Ruben Six with Gerudo Desert Party off of the ocremix.org. All right, we've talked about the story. We're going to continue on with kind of story, but even more in a grander scale. We're going to talk about timelines here. If you didn't know, 
Back in 2011. The legend, as you may, as you might want to say. <laughs> the legend. <laughs> Back in 2011, there was an official timeline created by A.G. Onuma, who is uh, kind of like one of the lead writers, I believe, of the games. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Pretty sure. I think. I think. Yeah. At least he's leading the games recently. Right. I yeah. don't know. I know. I know Miyamoto, of course, is the creator of Link. But yeah. Sure, sure. So this was the real first timeline that's been presented as an uh, in-universe kind of article uh, from you know all sorts of the different storytellers across all of the Zelda games. And so what they decided, they, they kind of started with the creation of Hyrule itself up through Ocarina of Time. They talk about the Hyrulean Civil War, and there were different tribes that were fighting over, I guess, Hyrule itself. Um Really, that bit, not as important. We do learn in Ocarina of Time about the creation of the world by the goddesses and the Pretty early on, I think, too. It was mm-hmm. by the Deku Tree, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a pretty cool cutscene. There's, like, rain falling, and you see the goddesses. They're different colors, and they're just kind of shooting through, and they talk about Ganondorf at that point. Um, but eventually, there is a war, the Hyrulean Civil War, and it ends, and the royal family that we, of course, know as Zelda and her her fam they uh unite the land and then of course ocarina starts so with ocarina we talk about the ending a little bit so the ending of ocarina is where link defeats gandorf big surprise there uh the good the if good you're guidance. good enough if you're good enough get yes. good get good exactly <laughs> thank you so is link will defeat gandorf at the end um he gets sealed in the sacred realm uh, the seven sages that you have that you have collected, kind of well, not collected. They're not Pokemon exactly, but you <laughs> you've engaged them, and they have uh, devoted their power to you in order to seal away Ganondorf into the sacred realm. Um, he gets sealed away by the seven sages, and then of course Zelda says, "Oh, thank you for saving us. Uh, you are adult Link at this point." She says, "Well, we've you know taken care of this issue now in in this timeline." We need to send you back as a child so that you can actually live your childhood as a kid, as you should, instead of having to grow up and, uh, you know, save the entire <laughs> land. Uh, so she sends him back in time, but still more happens after. So what we don't learn through Ocarina of Time is that after that, Ganondorf does escape, or at least in this adult timeline. We're going to call it the adult timeline. Ganondorf escapes from the seal that the sages had made, and uh, this forces a great flood from the gods. The gods say, we, we need to somehow save this. We don't have a hero, right? We don't have Link to deal with this anymore. He's, he's back in time. So we're going to make this giant flood. And this is supposedly where Wind Waker comes in, right? So right after that, after Wind Waker, supposedly is also Phantom Hourglass and later on Spirit Tracks. So that's all kind of part of the same universe. Did you guys play? Can you tell me a little bit more about like Phantom Hourglass or Wind Waker? It's been a long time. Yeah. For me. Yeah, the most recent dip into any of those was Wind Waker. Okay. I think when they did the remaster on Wii U. Mm-hmm. Um they fix a lot of stuff like That was you, a really good remaster It too. was yeah, mm-hmm. cuz it fixed all the things that were wrong with a 9 out of 10 game. So it was like became a near perfect yeah. game at that point. So um but I, I didn't play Spirit Tracks or Phantom Hourglass too much. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't I hadn't played too much either. I was hoping Maybe we get a it was it was it. over a decade ago that I played it. That like it was sense. when it came out, so yeah. it was really good. But I think it was pretty much the same in the same vein as uh, I don't know. I, maybe I'm thinking it's gameplay wise. It was in the same vein as World uh, as uh, Wind Waker. But you mm-hmm. do have the same style link, and all these links are different True. links, by the way. But for some reason, this like post flood link is very uh, cartoonized, um, right? Like big yeah. eyes and stuff. They're different links, but they follow 
the same timeline. Yeah. <laughs> which is confusing. But so yeah, when I, I think that's what it is. When, yeah, a, yeah. when a link, a new link is born, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, our, our new savior. It's, it's very strange, yeah. like what they decided to. It started out as a game of just, you know, this character is actually called Link because it is a link to the player, mm-hmm. which is uh, the origin of his name. Um, but, you know, it was just, you know, adventure game, just a guy doing stuff. And then they're like, okay, you know, we'll make this lore about it. And these are the different timelines, which is, you know, evident as why they created it in uh, like 2011, as opposed to kind of made any mm-hmm. type of uh, sense with the games earlier than that. Like, okay, we have to make some type of thread here. Yep. I, you can see my bias here with this timeline. I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much right there with you, though. It's just kind of <laughs> like you know, there's you're really trying to to make this like a, a story, but you know, you know, they can do it. Okay. No. All right. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about the other ones, even if we got a little <laughs> bit of a bias in the room. Uh, the child timeline. All right. So the child timeline. This is where Link has defeated Ganondorf, and this is where we follow Kid Link back in time. And uh, this is the ending, the exact ending scene of the game is where he's staring at Zelda. Both of them are kids, and they're where they first met in the courtyard in uh, Hyrule Castle. And so at this point, this is where, supposedly, Link then tells Zelda of what happens in the future. Um, And so you've got Ganondorf, who at this point had not been really, like, taken control of. He was, at this point, I think he was meeting the the king, actually. And uh, so I guess I would assume she tells her dad about what what Ganondorf is up to. He's not, you know, prisoned away into the sacred realm. Instead, he's actually executed uh, later on, which is kind of interesting. So, yeah, that's a thing. And I guess that kind of was tied into Twilight Princess, which is another one I didn't really get to to cover too much, actually. Um, Have you guys get to play Twilight Princess? Um, No, actually. That's one of the Zeldas I had never finished. Hmm. And I, I'm really hoping they re-release it on Switch so I can play the remaster because I heard that one was pretty good. Otherwise, I guess I'll have to find it on uh, Wii U. Mm. Yeah. I think for me, because thinking about doing this show, I was like, I wonder if we're going to talk about which Zelda is like each of our favorites. Uh-huh. And I thought about it. I was like, do I like Twilight Princess more than Ocarina? I might. So Whoa. I think I think to me, if you get past the like hour tutorial in the beginning yeah, of the game. It starts mm. very slow. It starts very slow. But after that, I beat the game in like two days because I couldn't stop playing it. Yeah, um, I my yeah. I had an issue. I got the Wii when it came out, like launch day. I was mm. waiting in line. Um, I started playing it, and then I got to this certain part. I think it was like two or three towns later. Uh, the mailman comes out, and my Wii froze. Um, I got it fixed. Oh. I got it sent to Nintendo. They tried to fix it, and they said they fixed it, and it still froze. I tried two different games too, so it wasn't the game; it was the system. So huh. that was kind of my. <laughs> that was a way of telling me you don't finish this game. So that's as far as I got. <laughs> And I really want to play the one on Wii U or the remaster because that's 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 one of those Zeldas I never finished. Mm, I think yeah. I played every other Zelda, but I didn't do that one because I got frustrated by the Wii having problems with reading it. Every okay. other game works fine on it, but that game for some reason. Maybe it was like a first print of, I don't know. Well, I the only random. thing I can think of with that for Twilight is there's there's like a certain sequence of events you can do to where like if you turn off your game at some point, I think it's when you're crossing the Bridge of Elden or something like that. Like if you cross part way and then turn it off, it'll think you've already gone to the other side, but then it'll load you like before the bridge got reconstructed. 
So you literally had to send it into Nintendo oh, and be like, yeah, I can't continue this game because it thinks I'm already on the other side. It's something oh, no. along those lines. That could make sense. Like if it, lo- if I saved in a certain spot and and then mm-hmm. after it, it thought I was in there and it just glitched out. That's yeah. something along those lines. This yeah, is before yeah. Nintendo was able to patch their games, by the way. So, but it was when other companies could patch their games, <laughs> which was lovely. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's really quickly cover what is to me the most interesting of the timelines. It's the downfall timeline. So mm-hmm. maybe it's just because I'm an emo kid. Uh, but I like this because this is where Link fails to defeat Ganondorf. So he doesn't actually beat Ganondorf during that final battle in Ocarina of Time. Instead, Ganondorf actually gets all the pieces of the Triforce. And then, uh, so the result of this actually is kind of similar in a sense. They do get to seal away Ganon. Um, they seal him and the Triforce away in the Sacred Realm, Zelda along with the the Sages. But um, there is... Uh, there is I'm sorry about that so there is what happens after that is that there's no um, I'm sorry I'm getting a little distracted here this is where the sacred realm gets corrupted gets turned into the dark world and if you've ever played Link to the Past another of course masterpiece game um, that's where the dark world kind of comes in Mm -hmm. so this is kind of connected to A Link to the Past it's connected to A Link Between Worlds which is the one that was later released for the 3DS Um, the Oracle games Oracle of Ages and Seasons and, uh, yeah, all these kind of top-down, we were talking about the Eagle Eye perspective games. They're all kind of part of this same dark future. Um, did you guys have anything to talk about with the Oracle games and, and Link to the Past? Uh, Gameplay-wise, I mean, this this is, like, around the time I was not paying attention to the story in games. So, <laughs> uh, But I really love the those games pretty much. Link, Link to the Past is arguably one of the most uh, well-received games, other than Ocarina of Time, of course. But uh, yeah, and the Oracle games I loved. I played. I love Game Boy games, so that works good. Yeah, I think the Oracle games were the first ones I really remember playing out of all of the Zelda games because I think that's just as far back as my memory can go. Um, and I I was telling you guys earlier that I had Oracle of Ages or Seasons, and my brother had Ages, so I kind of got to see both sides of that. Um, and then the other top-down games, I think there was Link's Awakening. And there was also Four Swords, which came out on Game Boy Advance, I think. Mm. And luckily, I had cousins that also had Four Swords, and that was when you could like link up and play on the same map with like other people at the same time. Mm-hmm. So that I think that was the first co-op type thing you could do in a Zelda game. So that that was super cool for that reason. Um, but in terms of timeline and all that stuff, they do seem all of these games together are definitely like way different from the main Zelda titles. I would say, like mm. especially. Um, Link's Awakening. There's just so many zany oh, characters yeah. and like oddball themes. You and see Goombas in there, and yeah, like, there's a lot of like weird like mashing of Mario games and stuff. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know if it was like part of the story or not, but I mean it kind of is because at, well, I don't know if I should spoil it or not, but at the end of the game, you find out that it was all just a dream. So yeah. a lot of those what characters didn't, you know, persist through Zelda because yeah. they were just kind of made up in his head at the time. Hmm. Um, but I mean, it's one of those like it's a dream or like you know he has he's in a coma or whatever and then he wakes up and then he sees the whale fish and it's like oh maybe it wasn't a dream but exactly. mm. yeah. yeah yeah that was that was a really good game like it, the story in it was very good I liked Link's Awakening mm. Mm. okay so the, generally the feel though you think that that kind of fits into the like darker evil well I would say evil but that darker timeline I would say so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. I I think does that also include Minish Cap 
I would say it probably does, right? Question. Yeah, I can't um, remember that story on that one. I the only thing I bring it up because the villain in that I think his name was Vati or something. Yeah, that, like that. that would be if it, yeah. I think yeah. that's that relates to the Four Swords kind of era. So I yes. think that would be yeah, because yeah, that yeah. villain was definitely more. I don't know if you can be darker than Ganondorf, but he was definitely <laughs> like a darker wizard type guy. Yeah. So I think that kind of fit in with it as well. Yeah, it does say it is Vati. Good, good memory. Sure. Um, it does say that it's a prequel to uh, Four Swords. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So, yeah. Cool. All right, so we've kind of covered the timelines. Um, so we will leave it to you guys to decide if this is something that you're even going to recognize as existing or worth thinking about, or uh, it just it's it's bunk. I don't know. Maybe yeah. it just was designed to sell books. Uh, we should <laughs> add that at I think at the end of all of these is Breath of the Wild. I think. Ah, okay. I don't know if it's at the end of only one, but I think it's at the and end the, of all of At the beginning of, of all these, is it Skyward Sword? Yes. Which I really like. A lot of people hate. But if you can get past the annoying linearness of, the, of it or lin- linearity mm. of the game, yeah. it is a really good, like, one of the best Zeldas, honestly. Wow. Yeah. I think initial reception was that it was one of the best Zeldas, and then over time people have, like, Oh, I mean, like, Zelda that. character, by the way. Like, oh, it's, it's one you. of the best Zelda, like, person. Like yes. characters, like yes. she has the most personality in that game. Oh right, for, right. Sure. Um, for sure. As for like one of the best Zelda's, uh, probably not. But it is still a very fun game. There's some really cool mechanics in there. Like one of my favorites is you go into this area that's all kind of like dusty and desert, mm. and then you activate these things that kind of have this like dome or like biome of of what the past was. So mm. like you would put them on carts and you'd go around and it would like things that were around this dome would be what it was in the past and like interact. It was. Yeah. It was really cool. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people missed out on it because they saw, oh, it's linear, like Final Fantasy thirteen, where people were like, oh, it's so linear, so yeah, I don't even want to play it. But right. it, yeah, it does get annoying where it like ha- forces you to do these things in order and go back and revisit. Like It was at the apex of that annoying kind of mm-hmm. uh, gameplay style, yeah. but it yeah. has a really good story, and a lot of the themes and stuff are really cool. And it was the first Zelda that you can actually like play as Link. Because you like you would have the Wii Motion Plus, right, right, and you could yeah. move your Wii remote to like do, and you do different puzzles by it was it was pretty cool. It just was executed like not yeah. entirely good. I think that was the game where at E3 when they were first showing the game, they were trying to show like, hey, like you can angle your sword in yeah. specific ways, and then the game was just bugging out all over the place. So I think <laughs> I think people kind of associate that with it. So yeah. that might have turned some people off. It had but some bad first impressions, yeah. like we were saying. Yeah. Like first impressions are. Yeah. Pretty indicative. Very yeah, important. For sure. All right, so let's get into the gameplay. But first, before that, let's listen to some more music. Let's finish off the Zelda music. We're going to listen to the Hyrulean Overture number one off of ocremix.org. Once more, it's going to be by Freeze Tag. And then uh, we'll listen to a couple of more um, chiptune tracks. We're going to get into less less Zelda and more just like good chiptune stuff because I want to share the love with all that music and whatnot. So enjoy. Uh, again, we'll be right back. Again, this is Marmar here with... Alex and Brandon, we are Lag Radio. Good evening, everyone. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is Marmar the Midboss here with Alex and Brandon, and we are Lag Radio. Yeah, so L is LeBrandon, A is Alex, and G is Gris. <laughs> Grizz. <laughs> Grizz. No. Have you been privately working on that this whole show? I thought about it last time, but I got too late, so I didn't want to. I didn't want to spoil it for you. So. Thank you. We are. That's. I'm just saying. He's saying we are lag radio, and that's what. That's what lag stands for. Yeah. <laughs> Rolls off the tongue. We just got done listening to a neat brassy cover of uh, Mike Tyson's Punch Out. Kind of a variety of songs from that uh, game a long time ago. Mini bosses is the name of the band, off of their album Brass. 
And then before that, we listen to our finale track from the Ocarina of Time. It is the Hyrulean Overture Number 1 off of ocremix.org. It is by Freeze Tag. All right, final last bits about Ocarina of Time. We have to talk about the gameplay, of course. So let's talk about what made this game so legendary with regards to gameplay. Link. <laughs> Not wrong. Legend of Zelda. Link's Legend of Zelda. Link's Legend Um. I kind of already mentioned that like my my what I what resonated with me was the creepiness like how well that that yeah. game that you would that normally isn't so dark was very dark sure. in spots but it was like like uh like Brandon said that it was it was unexpected because he just mm-hmm. like you kind of just show up after like waking up as an adult and it's just like a ghost town and then these things like are just like slowly walking like it's just like completely unexpected because mm. yeah. there there's danger that precedes it but there's not like horror that precedes it you know exactly. what I mean yeah there's a clear difference there and that that might be more of the kind of setting rather than gameplay yeah um, I would say like I mean this is the first Zelda like I mentioned earlier in the show it's the first Zelda that was third person and. Mm you like the entire way you play the game is completely different than uh, just like pressing a button to use your sword you had to actually they had different moves you had like targeting that you could do uh different ways to defeat enemies like the first boss for example was you know you never do it in a zelda you you have to aim up your air or your slingshot and right. shoot it like you just you just okay you're seeing the spider on the floor you can't attack it but you have to learn to like oh you have to hit its weak point and like yeah, it was. It had all the elements of older Zeldas, but in a new dimension that you just did not have any idea to uh, how to approach. And that that first boss actually like taught players about that because you couldn't even start the boss battle until you looked up and saw Goma, and then you had to yeah. activate it. So that's kind of telling exactly. them, you know, it's not just this two D plane where you just look level around. It's like yeah, there's a whole other dimension to this game that you. And Miyamoto is one of those that are perfect uh, like developers to. Uh, um, to teach players that without mm-hmm. being explicit, like look up and attack or whatever. I mean, you have you have Navi, and that's you know kind of the the player player's helper to like if Good you just Navi. give up. Yeah, exactly. If you're like giving up, like oh I don't know what to do here, and then it's like okay enough waiting. Here's here's what you got to do. But it's also optional too. It's a lot ops a lot different than uh, what's her name from Skyward Sword, Fee or Fi, yeah, yeah, something like that. What about the puzzles? How do you think the puzzles stack up to some of the other Zelda games? Of course, the water temple is somewhere in there as well. We'll discuss. I I but. personally don't really care for the puzzles in the game. They're Same, really like you know. it's like their first time doing a 3D Zelda, so it's like how do we even do like block pushing puzzles? Hmm. It's like those were a lot more annoying, I think, than being able to see like eagle eye view, where it's like oh I need to move this here, kind of do that. It's like okay, there's these big blocks in front of me. Like Forest Temple is one of those where it's like you just yeah. have to like move these. And it's like okay, this isn't the right spot, and it takes a long time and. I don't know. I think it was kind of rocky for their first. It made it made, made sense being their first uh, like 3D Zelda and how like how are we gonna make puzzles in this? Um, and then like you know the little things you have to shoot arrows at, the little eye pieces and stuff like that. Yeah. Sure. Uh, I like I like the um, uh, was it Spirit Temple that had the, like the the mirror shield puzzles. I think oh, those yeah. are pretty cool. Oh that yeah, those are pretty good. Like mm-hmm. when the, the light, you have to bomb. I think you use a bomb chew to open up light, and then you had to use the light to reflect reflect it and stuff. Those were pretty cool. Bomb but I think it was fun. pretty hit or miss for me. Yeah, bomb chews were pretty fun, and I wish they would use them in other games rather than just. I think it's just that game, Hyrule Warriors, which isn't technically a game. Hyrule Warriors that's is in there, is but pretty awesome. It's yeah. like these all these people were fans of Zelda, and then just like well, we're gonna make these characters insane, and all these references from older Zelda's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. 
What about the uh, the ocarina itself? I mean, that's huge, right? This is part of this the soundtrack. We've been listening to all yeah. these songs and stuff, and these are songs that like they have clicked so well with people over time. And I don't think it's just because people played them when they were kids, and it's like, oh, this is my childhood. I think that this there's something inherent about the melodies and how simple some of them are, but they're just so effective. Yeah, right? Koji Kondo is a master. At, like like he did the Mario, like the original Mario theme, right. which everyone knows. The original Zelda theme. Um, and then Ocarina of Time with the specific music like uh, like the Song of Storms, Soraya song. Um, is it Soraya or Saria? See, Saria. I've always said Saria, but someone <laughs> I've on the video said Sar- I said Soraya. I've just naturally said Soraya because I've just grown up that way. But, right. you know, it's like Pokemon. People pronounce it different ways. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, you know, the like a lot of the music is unique to that game are memorized or remembered by a lot of people. Um I think it is just because you touched on it a little bit, but it is because it's so simple. Like there were four notes that you could work with, I think. And I think there were other buttons you could press that had different notes, but they weren't ever part of like the official songs you played to get to different temples, I don't think. So yeah. it's like you had to make music with just four notes. And then once you played it, of course, they would add all the instrumentation and all of that. But you, at least in the N64 version, you have to memorize those different <laughs> like songs or whatever the button implants or the uh imprints to play them so it's like those get stuck in your mind in a whole yeah. different way than the other ones i think the only other game is maybe wind waker because you have to remember the, oh, the yeah the yeah talking. but that's more conducting than hearing the song it's weird because in, in that game they, they use tones for the different directions exactly. to kind of yeah. emulate that but it didn't work mm-hmm. as well as the ocarina right um yeah i agree like the simplicity of it and there's only a few notes and being able to like I think the more you play them, the more you just get them stuck in your head mm-hmm. because it always every time you play them, it'll play the rest of the song as well. Um, and you'd be playing, you know, the days the the song of I don't even know the <laughs> these names now. The song of of uh, storms. No, the one that you could to, to change time, like to speed through, like song day and time. night. Song of time was that it? Well, the doodle doodle doodle. Yeah, that's song of. That's, oh wait 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 wait. I don't even know what song that was, but. Um. I know which one you're talking about. I don't know yeah. the melody or the title though. There's but there's like ones that you would use to like just speed through like to nighttime or daytime. Yes. Um, Epona's song, of course, you have to do to get Epona. There's a lot of songs you would just use constantly, or like teleporting and stuff. All the like the bolero right, fire yeah, and bolero stuff. Right. Yeah. Bolero, mini forest, and yeah. such. Yeah. The but, only time that was annoying though was when. Is there a temple of time? Is that one of the temples yes. in there? Why? Okay. So do, that do, one. Do, 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 yes. So you have to be a kid at points in that temple and an adult at points in that temple and the process of like teleporting and going back to the temple or the yeah hyrule not hyrule castle where uh you pull the master sword out temple of time see that's why i'm gonna think confused. it's the temple, that's of the temple of time yeah. yeah okay so but there's the actual dungeon where you have to like go between those two locations repeatedly hmm. when you're like young link and adult link and having to go back and forth that's like the only time where the songs were like uh, a bother yeah. more than they were something <laughs> sure. cool in the game, but and also almost that, every other use was pretty good. And I think that song did that song teleport you there? Because I know that because if so, I think it was a multi-use song because that song was also uh, used randomly in spots that you weren't really like told to. You would just see a block yes. that was like a a blue block, and you were just like, oh yeah, I have to play that. Oh, the that blue theme. block, yeah, it right. does remove the blue block in dungeons, yes. Mm-hmm. And you just have to. I don't know if they even if they. Ch- teach you that in the game or if you just have to know you yeah. just know yeah i they think don't you just you. you'll you'll open the ocarina it'll give you a little tone like oh i had to play a song here and you just have to know i remember like not really knowing about that when i was a kid mm-hmm. and i was like mm-hmm. okay i guess i have to play this here okay that's weird because that's a song that you would use to teleport to it so yeah yeah for sure on that same note let's talk about our grievances a little bit besides just yeah so what do we not like about this masterpiece of a game 
Um, I don't know. Like at the time, there wasn't really anything to complain about. As of now, like after you like play Breath of the Wild, especially the yeah. controls are a whole lot better. They've mastered that, like the camera movement and all that stuff. It feels a whole lot smoother in uh, Breath of the Wild. You can also jump in Breath of the Wild, <laughs> yeah. Which you can't yeah. do. You cannot jump in this game. Of course, that was the like the first Zelda that you. Well, no, it was the second Zelda that you could jump, um, and it was hmm. just kind of an automatic thing. Um, but like, yeah, at the time, I guess like the only. I don't know. I, I a lot of the time taking stuff like Brandon was mentioning of right. having to travel there to go back in time and then go from there. You couldn't just easily, you know, like go back in time in the location you were, which exactly. would save a lot of time. Right. But uh, I think that that could have something to do with not that they rushed the game out, but that they were developing it for so long and there were different phases and they were trying different things all along the development cycle. I think maybe that was something that just didn't get ironed out at the mm-hmm. end, maybe. But I mean, it being in the game is a pretty big um, grievance that I have, but I think the 3DS version fixed it, but my biggest grievance mm-hmm. is still the water temple. Like, you're hitting mm-hmm. you're hitting a button guessing where the water level's going to be, and, and I it, think that has to so g- annoying. <laughs> that, that also goes in hand with what we were talking about puzzles. Like, they just didn't yeah. really nailed the puzzles down because they were doing a whole new dimension with that. Like, For oh, sure. this would be a cool... It's one of those, like, good idea, but bad in execution. Yeah, and I think there's a video by... Uh, it's Aaron from Game Grumps, but he used to go by, I think, Ego Raptor or something like oh, that yeah, on Ego his Raptor. old channel. And he has a video where he talks about uh, critiquing Zelda on a deeper level. Oh, you yeah. Know, that, like was, what, that was an older video. It's a good video, though. It is a very good video. And when, one of his main things that I didn't think about until I saw that was that a lot of the bigger, not big end bosses, but maybe mid bosses and temples and that type of thing are sword battles. And they seem epic at the time, but it's only because you're waiting for them to do an attack and then you counter. <laughs> you're waiting for maybe five seconds, they attack you, but you counter. Like yeah. that's what mm. all of them boiled down to. And it's like, yeah, at the time They're you don't really simple. think about that. You think, wow, that was an epic 10 minute long match, but it was, no, you were waiting for seven minutes of that and then you were attacking for maybe so, three. Aging, yeah. I think most of our criticisms is based on its aging. Definitely. Like it didn't yeah. age well. Um, however, I do recommend the 3DS version versus yes. the N64 version at the point. Um, I'm sure, uh, what name are you going by on the show? I, I don't Marmar, know. Marmar the mid-boss. Marmar the mid-boss, yeah. Marmar's so so Mar- <laughs> Mr. Mar um, will we'll bring up the controller itself. But, um, mm-hmm. I mean, the controls, I don't really like the circle pad on the 3DS that much. But, like, they, they, they redid the game with interesting and i wish they went through with but they got a huge backlash from fans i guess or something that they were going to redo the entire soundtrack um, make it more orchestral and stuff which oh, i would have yeah. loved um i think they did that with uh i can't remember i think they remade oh Star Fox. they remade yes. Star Fox for 3ds yeah. and they did that and it sounded fantastic but people were like upset that or or i don't know if it was koji kondo or something like that that were upset that they would change the original music so you have that slight juxtaposition of the the textures being remastered and looking fantastic um but the music being the exact same as it was right. um, i would have liked to hear that but other than that like the 3ds version has master mode on it or i think that's what's called Mas- yeah. master yeah. quest mm-hmm. on it which is like a complete remix of the original i think the entire map is mirrored for mm. one um so it's mirrored and then all the dungeons are just crazy and much more difficult but mm. i really think it's the definitive version to play um I think it's still. I think it's yeah, still available now. But uh, what was you were gonna? What were your grievances? I want to hear your grievances. Yeah, I think that the true final boss of the game is the camera. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, yeah. More so than Ganon or Ganondorf, it, it was the camera. All yeah, you have sure. to do to center, or all you have to use to center your camera is the L or Z targeting. The Z targeting, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh, it's such a... I mean, it was a different time, right? You don't have the other analog stick to... There's to really just, no other solution they had, because yeah. they needed buttons for those weapons. They didn't want yeah, you to keep true. pausing and, like, you know... But yeah, the C the C buttons were used for camera. That's what the C stood for, as far as I knew. But then yeah. for Zelda, they're like, no, nah, we nah. we'll just have to <laughs> we'll have to have a player struggle for it. It is what it is. Besides that, though, uh, one of the the sticking points to me, like right from the get go, when I was replaying it recently on the N sixty four, was this controller is <laughs> kind of a mess. Kind of kind of a mess. Nintendo, you could have done better. That analog yeah. it was the first like iteration of analog, but man, that stick is is super. Yep. You're like you're you're battling with it. It's, and why is it a, a tri-handle design? Yeah, no one's got three hands. <laughs> they're try- no, <laughs> they're trying. No, they're trying something new. And yeah. I think their philosophy behind it, I saw somewhere, was that to play like older style games or like classic styled games that you could alternately put your left hand on that third. But one that was the way that the everyone default used the controller, and then no, no, right. no, you have to put your hand in the middle one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like this? No, your <laughs> left hand in the middle one. Oh. Exactly. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's just bad all It around. didn't go through focus groups uh, like it should have. It really probably. I don't know. But, I mean, even despite these... Oh, also, well, there's another part that I, that I wasn't a huge fan of. Uh, the escort mission with Rudo. Oh, yeah. That, I, it was annoying because, like, you had oh, to throw her. Yeah. If you left her in certain places, she would disappear and she would, mm. like, reappear sometimes, like, nearby, but other times back where she originally was. Mm. It was... And I the, don't know. And the guards at Hyrule Castle. The, that was another one. The guards. Oh, sure, yeah, getting caught by the guards. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you that start was, all over again. That's yep. another that's another example of waiting and waiting <laughs> yes. and then execute and then wait and wait. Yeah. Yep. 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 Both of those things. These were kind of the glory days for the for the escort missions at least. Back before like I think since the dawning of the internet, people have been able to, to air out some of these issues yeah. and say, you know, <laughs> please just stop. No yeah. one wants to do escort missions. But yeah, it's I mean, I, I just finished playing God of War and you had the mm. new one for PS4. Nice. And your son is technically an escort but he's not because he's like the strongest weapon you have like you can just spam his arrows <laughs> that's and how he's you do super an awesome mission. yeah nice. that's how you do having an escort in a game or whatever that's how it's uh, done yeah that's how you should do it well in all I'm sure we can all agree that despite some of these couple of detractors Ocarina of Time is going to stand as like one of the best games if not the best game mm. ever made I wouldn't go that far but I would definitely say it is yeah. one of the best games it With, was one of the is, best yes yeah so what are our favorite games then? If we don't think this is the top, do we have each like one that we think should be at number oh, one? That's tough. Yeah, that's like deciding your your favorite child. I don't know. That's yeah, fair. I don't know. Maybe that's something to explore in future weeks. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For now, though, for those of you who are listening, if you want to call in, we do have a giveaway. We're going to be trying to do giveaways every single week, actually, on the show. Um, this week's giveaway, because I wanted to kind of cover art and DIY art and all that stuff. One of the things that I did for this week's show is I made a clay pot, just like the ones that oh, you throw and neat. break in, awesome. uh, in the game. Did you bring it? I didn't bring it, actually. Okay. Well, I should have. I have like a set of four of them. But what I did do is I made a video, and I'm going to be kind of working with it and uploading it to YouTube in this weekend, but how to make your own. And it's about the size of your palm. It's pretty small. That's cute. Um, okay. But you can make it bigger, of course. But you just get some clay. I used it from Michael's, uh, and we just kind of go over the whole the whole process. Mine didn't turn out so great, but... <laughs> The person that I worked with, DJ Chexmix, you may uh, or may not know from my previous show, she uh, was able to make a couple of I, really great pots. That confuses me because I have a friend, DJ Chexmixer. Chexmixer? So, ah. Yeah, so when you, when you refer to her as Chexmix, which I remember you mentioning her <laughs> sure, name sure. on the air, it's like, 
Wait. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. Different person. So for she, sure. She, sorry. She I good pots some... though. But oh, okay. Mine looks like like a clay sack. It like makes a, you want to like, break it. Like, like Christmas time. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm absolutely going to break that thing. I'm definitely going to break that thing. But I'm going to give away one of those, and I will also give away a Perler art. Actually, um, off of Etsy, there's a there's a numerous, numerous people who make really great Perler arts, but I'm happy to uh, purchase one of those and give that away to a caller who has been enjoying the program this evening. If you want to call in, 949-824-5824. In the oh, next 10 minutes, 949-UCI-KUCI. Uh, first one to do so will get Perler Art and uh, one of these cool clay pots. Really, really cute, actually, if you ask me. And, uh, yeah, so we're going to be listening to a couple more tracks before we sign out for the evening um, real quick. But before we do, uh, next week's show, we're going to be covering a first-person shooter called Spec Ops The Line. It's uh, been released in 2012 for Xbox 360, PlayStation 3, and it was on PC as well as Mac and Linux. You can get it uh, fairly cheaply online. We're going to be covering this because it is a really special kind of first-person shooter. That's what spec stands for. Special. Special ops. It's You're not does. wrong. That's You're not wrong. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Correct, sir. Stude observation. So um, this is to get you guys prepared for next week if you want to join us in this little like uh, book club thing we have going on. Yes, yeah. This is so why we're announcing it right now. Please do so. Uh, play it if you can. Uh, again, it's available online, PC, fairly cheaply. And I know that Steam is doing their summer sales right now. You might be able to get it for really, really cheap. So check it out. Can't confirm um, or deny, but... <laughs> yes, exactly. No In the meantime, knows. though, we'll listen to a few last tracks, and then we will uh, say goodbye. So for now, enjoy Maggie's Quest by Super Madness. And a big thank you, of course, to Alex and Brandon here for joining me on Ocarina of Time. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank, you. thank you. It was good to see Brandon after a couple of years of not seeing him. So Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I am right, back. We'll, we'll have reuniting. <laughs> yes. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Lag Radio here on KCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.